we really um, try to advocate for improved quality of care for people with IBD. Um, a number of years ago, we did um, an audit of 71 hospitals around Australia, and we used these standards that were developed for IBD care and we found that less than 1% of hospitals actually met all those standards. So in the whole of Australia, only 1%, just under 1%, not many hospitals. You're listening to Everybody Knows, a podcast about you and me reconnecting with our body to discover life unhindered by disease. I'm your host, Ben Cleaver. Well, hello. Welcome to another episode of Everybody Knows. I'm Ben, of course. I'm so glad you're joining me. As you guys know, this is a a brand new podcast. This is only the fourth episode, and I'm learning so much uh, in doing this, but I'm, I'm really enjoying engaging with you guys, getting your feedback, whether it be uh, on YouTube or on social media. So keep it coming. Uh, I'm really loving putting out this content and seeing where it goes. Uh, if you haven't listened to the first three episodes, uh, episode one, I really set up what I'm doing here with the podcast. I sit with my best mate of 25 plus years and we talk about my health story and challenges that was hard, but so it was like therapeutic for me to tell my story and talk about uh, the important moments uh, that led me to, you know, starting this podcast. So if you haven't listened to that one, obviously go back and recommend that. Episode two was awesome. It was Kerry Cox, who is a mind-body nutritionist. And uh, she really talks about the how do we eat to support our digestion and metabolism. So that was really important. I've integrated some of those practices and found a real benefit. I'm eating less, um, but getting a bit more energy out of my food, which is awesome. And the most recent episode, episode three, is with uh, researcher and lecturer, Dr. Daniel Hackett, who is currently researching the impacts of exercise or more accurately progressive resistance training on inflammatory bowel disease, which is obviously for me being diagnosed with Crohn's disease when I was 12 is hugely uh, of huge interest to me. So if you want to know more about that, episode three. But now let me bring you episode four. My guest today is CEO of Crohn's and Colitis Australia, Leanne Raven. And Leanne is a Beautiful human being. Uh, We got on so well, but uh, what I really loved is I learned so much more about the organisation of Crohn's and Colitis Australia and what they're doing to not only support sufferers of IBD, uh, but also those close to them and how they are supporting research and education of the medical industry as well on, uh, on these diseases. So this is going to be great for you, obviously, if you suffer from inflammatory bowel disease. But if you do know of somebody who has a close loved one, friend, colleague, and you want to just know a bit more about it so you can support them and talk to them about it better. Now, if you're interested in finding out more about Crohn's and Colitis Australia, you can go to their uh, website, which is crohnsandcolitis.com.au. I'll put the link in the show notes. Thanks so much again. Let's get into this discussion. Leanne, thanks so much for your time today. I'm really excited to to talk to you. Oh, great to meet you, Ben, and really keen to to have a chat with you as well. Yeah. Now, I feel bad. I feel bad. I'm up here in Queensland. In Queensland right now, it's like a pandemic is not happening. We see it on the news, but we've been fortunate. You're down in Victoria and not so fortunate. At this well, point in we time, are, we are in lockdown at the moment. So, mm. um, again, this is the second time, and um, it's going to be going on for a few weeks. So, really, for us, life hasn't been that different since mm. March when the pandemic started. Right. Um, you know, so we've all been working from home and um, walking around with masks on, and we're not allowed to go out unless we really need to, um, to shop and, you know, to exercise. Um, so yeah, it's really, really changed, really mm. changed how we're living. 
Yeah, and cases are still uh, ramping up or they're, they're certainly not easing. The curve hasn't flattened yet, whereas in Queensland they have and we've shut all our borders. Um, yes. And and lots of people are going back to almost going back to life as, as normal here. Um, but yeah. you guys at the association, you guys are still working remotely, of course, and it's been a had a big impact on um, your operations uh, for this year, hasn't it? It certainly has. Um, you know, 2020 is very different from what we thought it would be. Um, but, you know, we're, we're all coping pretty well. We're only a small team at Crohn's and Colitis Australia. There's only 11 of us. And one is in Queensland, actually, um, and uh, and she runs uh, our helpline, Anita, who's up in Queensland. Um, but you know, we're all working from home, as I said, um, and things have, you know, going along quite well. We've had lots of challenges, though, um, mm. in you know not being able to provide all the support services that we normally do. Mm. Um, and the key ones that we've relied on have been our our nurse line and our helpline. Um, and, of course, they've, you know, in different months when um, people have been really anxious, we've seen a really high increase in, in calls um, and emails. And so we've really ramped up our communications to all our members. At, at Crohn's and Colitis Australia, we've got about uh, 2,500 members all around the country. And we know, you know, there's there's in 2022 there will be a hundred thousand people living with inflammatory bowel disease in Australia. So um, wow. there's quite a lot of people out there who live with, you know, chronic illnesses of Crohn's disease and um, ulcerative colitis. That's and and where does it sit right now? So that it's it's about eight eighty thousand. Yeah, we estimate about 85, but we're heading up, you know, each okay. year. Okay. Um, it's increasing. Yeah. And so, Leanne, could you just really basically explain what Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis is? Or as it, we know, it's an umbrella. Uh, there's an umbrella term called inflammatory bowel disease. For those listeners that might um, be interested to know more or maybe have heard of a loved one that has it, um, and just don't quite understand what it is. Um, let's kind mm. of preface it with with uh, what 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 are these illnesses, and then we'll go. I'd love to. Obviously, we're going to go into what the association does, how it supports um, sufferers, and what are the challenges of sufferers, and uh, maybe how they can get involved and things like that. But not just the sufferers, the people that are affected quite significantly, whether it be family, friends, or, or just you know employers or people just trying to understand what it is, because you don't get a bandage on your head when you've got Crohn's disease, but you it's a debilitating disease or ulcerative colitis, a debilitating disease, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's really important, I think, um, the public understand. So. Yeah, and I think that, that um, your description of not having a Band-Aid, but, you know, something that's visible mm. is a real issue with uh, four people living with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. Um because it's not a visible disease. It's not like a, uh, a, 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 a chronic illness that you can see, um, you know, such as an infectious disease or something like that. Um, but I like to explain it to people that because a lot of people get confused between um, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, so IBS, you know, when people have um, uh sort of symptoms where they, you know, feel bloated or uh, tummy, you know, abdominal pain and and those sorts of things, you know, they think, oh, well, that's IBD. But IBD's inflammatory bowel disease is a real, they're really serious illnesses, you know. They're autoimmune uh, diseases of the gut and, um, you know, depending on where that inflammation is in the gut is how the sort of disease is diagnosed. So if people have it um, in the colon, then that's colitis and ulcerative colitis. Um, but if people have it all through the, um, the gastrointestinal tract from the mouth to the anus, then, you know, that can be Crohn's disease. Mm. Um, and 
you know, I sort of describe it to people. Imagine, you know, inflammation that you see on your skin, you know, when you hurt yourself and, you you know, it goes all red and, and, and gets all sore. Well, imagine, you know, all your insides being inflamed. You can't see it. But, you know, that's what it looks like, you know, mm. and, and it can get um, really nasty looking in there. And so... Uh, people living with these conditions look well and and healthy on the you know the outside, uh, but inside it's a very difficult situation. So um, I think that sort of you know understanding and appreciation of what that might be like, um, mm. if you start to imagine and think about that, can explain some of the symptoms that people have to live with every day when their disease is not managed well. Um, and, you know, these diseases um, often occur in young people, um, uh, you know, usually around the age of 15 to 30, but can be younger. Um, the youngest that we've sort of heard, heard about is, you know, age three. Really? Um, yeah. Okay. And, um, you know, so and then they don't ever go away, these chronic illnesses. Um you know, there's treatments that can be applied, but they're things, it's, it stays there. We don't know why they occur and we don't know, so we don't know a cause mm. for this illness and we don't have a cure for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, pretty, they're, you know, really serious gut diseases that um, uh, can be very debilit debilitating. Yeah, and of course, I know from personal experience. I've um, was diagnosed with Crohn's at age twelve. Mm -hmm. Back then, um, back then, I feel like an oldie when I say back then. Um, but back then, that was uh, nineteen ninety four. Um, so last century. But I'd never heard of Crohn's disease. My family had never heard of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and and I mean, it took quite a, a while for them to diagnose it as well. Even I had I had emergency bowel surgery, a resection, it took out an abscess, a huge abscess on my bowel and it wasn't until two, maybe even three weeks after the surgery that they diagnosed me with Crohn's disease and that yeah. was like a, what What do you, you know, another language. I, I didn't, you know, we had to learn all about it. Mm. Um, but yeah. how does it, how does it, I know from personal experience how it affects me. I mean, it's it can be when you're in a flare it's yeah. not just a pain in the gut, as you, as you said, and people can be it, – it affects your joints, right? It affects your, your thoughts. We know there's a, a lot going on in research about the brain-gut um, connection and, mm -hmm. um, and the importance of gut, um, the healthy gut microbiome. And when all of this is out of balance, your body just doesn't work and your immune system mm -hmm. particularly. Mm. Um, doesn't work properly. So, you know, I I'm, belong to one of the support groups and there's all manner of, you know, secondary symptoms for Crohn's. Um, Absolutely. It's a really individual disease, isn't it? You it know, is. everyone's experience um, is not replicated in its full form. It's different. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we really rely on our immune system to, to function well. And um, and when it's not working well, um, you know, you get you can develop these autoimmune diseases, and there's a whole range of them, from multiple sclerosis, psoriasis, um, to you know, inflammatory bowel disease. They're all sort of in the same group of uh, diseases impacting on different parts of the body. Um, so yeah, they can be really nasty. And I think you you know you mentioned Ben that. Um, it took a while for them to work out what was going wrong, mm. and that is really very common. It can take a good while until people, um, you know, get a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've met people who um, quite often, young people who, you know, they lose a lot of weight because they're so sick and um, their food can't be absorbed properly because of all the the linings of the, the, the gut being damaged mm. um, and often you know they end up on that pathway where people think they've got eating disorders and can take a, a really good while to 
you know, and, and they could be a little bit depressed because of that, you know, mind-gut connection yeah. um, and, you know, just trying to cope with this um, physiological thing that's or pathophysiological thing that's going on in their body. Yeah. So, you know, it can it can take a good while and often they go on the wrong path if, if, uh, if they don't end up with someone who's um, really familiar with inflammatory bowel disease. And some of the work that we're doing at um, Crohn's and Colitis Australia at the moment is around developing programs for health professionals. Um, and we've got one coming up um, pretty soon um, for dietitians. Um, okay. Because, you know, diets are, are really important part of the uh, treatment and, um, uh, you know, the, the way to sort of um, uh, manage these conditions. And um, we're also looking at developing them for um, GPs. We've got another big project happening um, where we're working on developing some education, finding out, you know, what GPs need and and developing education on inflammatory bowel disease for GPs. That's fantastic. That's great because, I mean, the sufferers themselves, they're going to their GP and they're going, you know, to a dietitian maybe to, to find out and, and, you know, if the person's not familiar or not that experienced with people, you know, as you said, it, it might not be very helpful for them. But I know even a gastroenterologist that, or, or quite a few that I have seen personally couldn't really comment on diet. No. Well, it's not their area of expertise, you know. It's a little bit like um, mental health. Um, we did a, um, a survey recently of gastroenterologists and we were asking them about mental health of their patients. And these were um, gastroenterologists who looked after people with inflammatory bowel disease. And a lot of them were saying, you know, we were asking them things like, do you do you actually talk about mental health with your um, patients? And, and they were saying, no, well, we don't because we don't feel really confident about that. It's not our area of expertise. Um, we might ask the, you know, IBD nurse or whatever to do that or, you know, refer them to a psychologist. So, um, you know, there's a whole lot of things that, you know, gastroenterologists who specialise in inflammatory bowel disease, they know about the disease. They know about the treatment mm. um, and, you know, what sort of options there might be for those things. But, uh, you know, we need to make sure that people with IBD are surrounded by a group of health professionals who work as a team. And, you know, that means you have got a dietitian in your support group and a psychologist and a, um, a surgeon you might need at different times, you know, yeah. um, and, um, and a, a good GP. Um, so it's really important to, to sort of advocate so that we can get people having really good team-based care. That sounds like a great in integrated approach, not just the supporting the sufferers, but the the, the whole industry education uh, into the old industry and the people that are actually helping sufferers on the on the front line. It's that's awesome, really good. So, can we talk a little bit about what Crohn's and Colitis Australia uh, aims and and aims to do and and how they go about it? Yeah, well, what we're committed to doing is um, we really want to empower people who are living with IBD to live life to their full potential and to live life fearlessly, you know. It's um, as as we search for a cause or a cure for this disease. Yep. So that's what we're committed to do and everything we do is connected back to that. Um, so in the search for a, a cause or a cure, we see ourselves as building capacity um, within the um, medical research area. And, you know, we, we try and fund scholarships for people to do their PhD in this area so we can help support new knowledge. Um, we try and fund postdoctoral scholarships uh, so people who are researchers. This year we're doing a really exciting project um, it's, it's called IBD Research Priorities. And we've decided we really want to know 
what are the research priorities that researchers should be focusing on. So we're doing a big project um, to endeavour to determine what they are and then we will be letting the federal government know and the big uh, research funding bodies know what we would like to see so that we might get some funding allocated for, you know, the scientists and the clinicians who do research to to really focus on some areas so we can get more knowledge and and more more treatments as well as, you know, what, what understand better what's going on here. Mm. So that's sort of you know, one area that we we will work on. The other side of it is we really um, try to advocate for improved quality of care for people with IBD. Um, a number of years ago, we did um, an audit of 71 hospitals around Australia, and we used these standards that were developed for IBD care and we found that less than 1% of hospitals actually met all those standards. So in the whole of Australia, only 1%, it's just under 1%, not many hospitals. What are some of the things in this standard? Well, the standards are about, you know, putting in place things like team-based care that we talked about before. Okay. Um, you know, having dietitians on the team, having patients being able to um, to um, get consultations in, in holistic care, um, you know, and a whole host of other things um, that are important to help people um, be well managed and support their own management of this disease. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... So what we've done since then is we've we've done a number of studies ourselves. Um, a couple of years ago, we looked at what the experience of IBD was, and there's a big report that we did about um, uh, people's experience in living with IBD. And we used that information to, to try and generate change within the health system. Um, this year, we've also been funded to... Uh, to do a project where we're going to develop some new resources um, for people living with IBD. And we're hoping to to get the right information to individuals at different stages. So, you know, you were saying before that um, you were diagnosed with Crohn's when you were 12. Um, what you needed to know at that stage would be very different from what you need to know now down the track, you know, when yeah. you're a bit older and now you've got a family, um, you know, when you before you did that, you might have had issues about fertility that you needed to think about and not that you have to worry I've about I've got four anymore. kids, so kids, it wasn't an issue for me. <laughs> so, you know, there's a whole lot of issues that can yeah. arise. Yeah, but um, it affects so and, many and things. And information so. that people need, yeah, yeah. At, at different stages of living with it. So... This project is really exciting because um, we hope to develop sort of um, these personas and um, and develop information around that. Um, so, you know, they're the sorts of things that we mainly do. The other things we do is we're out there um, running different programs. So particularly for kids, we started a couple of years ago um, with uh, a program for young people, so teenagers sort of 13 to 18, called YEP, which is a youth empowerment program. And that's where we get a group of kids to come together and we spend a, a day with them with different things and activities happening. And, you know, quite often because I don't know if, if you found this, Ben, but, um, you know, you often don't know other people who have this disease as well. And I think you said you were the only one in your family um, yeah, yeah. who has it. So meeting people who have it and, you know, connecting with others, um, there can be lots of benefits in that. Absolutely. Stories and, you know, things that may have worked for and helped. Um, you know, if you think about teenagers, you know, being at school, trying to keep up with your work and maybe working part-time and, you know, all those sorts of issues that you you face at that age, they're the yeah. sorts of things that we talk about. 
Yeah, so that that's just a bit of an overview of the things that we do at Crohn's and Colitis Australia. Um, and oh, that, that's you know, great great example. And 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 I use um, online support groups to connect with others, but there's something about that local, um, you know, that the local meetup um, that you're supporting, you know, and then obviously there'd be some education into that as well that you guys give. Um, people so it's not just just people you know sufferers getting together but it's um there's also you know uh, you know connecting with you guys and getting information and um resources to to help so that sounds like fantastic now so so those so where are those going to be happening these are the support groups you mean yeah 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 well we've got about 23 support groups now and okay. they're growing every year okay all around australia mm. And it's been really interesting um, because usually the support groups are led by a facilitator and, they, you know, you come together regularly, it might be once a month or whatever, um, to, you know, to meet and to meet others who, um, who are living with these issues as well and to talk about things. But during the pandemic, that wasn't able to happen. Mm. So what we had to do was... Um, set up um, some virtual support groups and, you know, help the groups transition into that. And what we've found most recently is some support groups are going to continue to operate that way. Okay. So they really like that, that um, you know, um, ability to not have to get to a venue to meet face-to-face and it's mm. going to work for them um, to continue to, to meet on Zoom or, you know, another platform. Mm. Um, whereas some of the other groups are really hanging to get back, you know, um, and some of them can start doing that, um, fairly soon because, you know, as you say, up in Queensland, um, you can meet in small numbers and, um, so all of that will go back. It just depends on what preference people have. So we're now going to have to, um, look at making sure we support the virtual medium as well as the face-to-face, which will be good. Mm, yeah. yeah. There'd be so many so many organisations that have had to um, do that learning as well uh, in this, you know, this new world that we live in. Um, That's right. And, and people are getting used to that. You know, maybe before COVID it was like um, a bit awkward on a Zoom call. <laughs> you know, people don't know what to do. Um, but this has kind of forced all of us to kind of get used to it. You know, yeah. interacting with people on a screen. Um, you know, it's just the way of the world right now. So that's kind of a, a bit of a push for all of us into that that territory, which I think um, will, you know, hopefully be um, really beneficial. Yeah. So that's great that you guys are embracing that. Yeah, well, we'd like to look at it with all of our programs. You know, I mentioned before we run a lot of kids' programs. Um we also do, you know, a kids' camp as well. Um, so we're a bit challenged on how we might be able to make that a virtual experience, um, <laughs> but we're going to try somehow. We'll, we'll be working on, you know, seeing how we might be able to do that as well yeah. um, so that we can offer both. And, you know, it, it sort of breaks down the geography barriers if you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly for those who are living in regional and remote communities who, you know, can't get into cities or, you know, um, uh, to, to, to attend these sorts of things, we can, you know, we can still support people. Yeah. And that's why our helpline is really important too. Um, and the other thing that we launched about 12 months ago is the nurse line. Okay. And I don't know if you know too much about that, Ben, but it's a really, really good um, line for people to call and make an appointment to have a chat with a nurse. Okay. Uh, Are these members or you need to be a member to do this? No. No, this is a free. Okay. This is for anybody, wow. um, yep. anyone with inflammatory bowel disease or a carer. Okay. Um, we recently had um, a dad ring us. His daughter was in intensive care. She was really sick, having a, a very bad time. Um, and he was sort of, 
you know, just wanting to talk with a nurse or somebody who, who would know to find out whether things were right, if people yeah. were doing the right thing um, because he was so worried about his daughter. And so he booked a time with the, you know, the nurse to do that. And we're really fortunate we have a nurse practitioner um, with in inflammatory bowel disease. So she's just wonderful and has a great network all around the country and can really help people to, to sort out some some issues that are worrying them or, you know, develop their plan of care um, and, you know, connect people with who they need to talk to. And yeah. so it's a great service for anyone out there. At any time you can ring and just make an appointment to, to do that. A helpline is, is always there as well um, and you don't need to have an appointment for the helpline. Okay. Um so that's, you know, that's available too. And that's just about general things, you know. Um, what am I going to do? I want to travel or how am I going to sort out my medications and yep. all that sort of thing and do that might be. I know um, uh, Anita, who's on our helpline, gets all sorts of questions from people and, you know, we just do our best to, to help where we can. And she's she's got an ex – she has uh, a family member with IBD and – She's got a whole lot of knowledge about, you know, all sorts of things. Mm. So, um, yeah, that, they're the sorts of things that we encourage people and just come forward and, you know, reach out for support even if you think it's – if there's any little trouble that you, you're worried about. Now, you guys have been operating for 35 years. Yes. That's right. And you must have learnt a lot about um, Crohn's and colitis sufferers uh, in that time. Of course, Leanne, you, you've been the CEO for the last couple of years. Yes. What I'm really interested to know is I want to yeah, just ask you about how you got you know, your personal um, journey into that. I know you've been uh, operating on the executive level uh, for, in your career for for a while. Um, so how did you get involved? And then I want to know, you know, what, what, what does the organisation learn? What are the real significant things that they've learnt throughout that journey. So, mm -hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, I haven't been there for 35 years, but we did this year <laughs> celebrate um, providing 35 years of support um, in IBD. So it's a really big milestone yeah. for us. And unfortunately, we were not able to do all the things that we wanted to do. You know, we wanted to have some gatherings and to recognise people who'd contributed over the years, and particularly our founder. Her name is uh, Angela McAvoy, and Angela started the organisation 35 years ago in her home, um, in her house when she, she was living in Melbourne at that time. Originally she was uh, from Sydney. And, um, yeah, she, she kicked it off, um, and she has Crohn's disease. So most people who are connected with the organisation, um, have some connection with inflammatory bowel disease. So okay. for me, um, I don't have it myself, but I have friends and family who do. Um, and, you know, all of our board members usually have some sort of connection too. Um, our chairman, who his name is Bruce Rosengarten, he has lived with um, ulcerative colitis for 40 years. Um, and he only recently, when he came on board, um, came out of the closet and mm. talked about his his story. For most of his executive career, which you know he travelled the world as a as an executive, um, he hadn't told anyone about um, his condition. Only his wife knew. Even his kids didn't know. So wow. he's now recently come out of the closet and. Um, and so everyone, everyone has their, you know, a connection somehow. But over the years, I think, you know, we've seen a lot of changes in how this disease is is managed. Um, I know when when I was meeting with Angela, she talked about, um, you know, she's had so much so much surgery. Um, in those days, you know, if if something wasn't healing, they just cut it out everywhere and. So a lot of people of her age group, um, you know, there were not the, the, medic the medicines available and 
treatments that are available now, mm. um, they didn't exist then. So, you know, at the moment she she doesn't have very much bowel left at all. Um, so, but she's, she's doing okay but has to really, um, you know, at times she's been on an enteral nutrition diet, liquid diet, um, and not able to eat um, because of her condition. Um, but now over time there have been so many more treatments that have been developed which have really helped to put people into remission. Mm-hmm. Um, how long people stay in remission, we never know. That's different for everybody. Um, some treatments don't work, um, and you know, but there there are a number of new treatments now that um, that have improved the quality of life for people. And also, I think you know, the medical community are sort of um, uh, know a, a lot more about the disease, and there's a lot more research going on. Of course, on. yeah. Do you have um, – are there any personal stories or stories uh, that you can think of of sufferers that you have that the organisation has been involved with um, um, that have really inspired you in your you know, involvement with this organisation over the last few years? Mm-hmm. Are there any that come to mind that spur you on? Yeah, I think um – you know, seeing people like yourself living a full life is what we want to see. Um, a cup, we have one of our ambassadors, Jacinta Parsons. She works in the in the same industry you do, Ben. Um, she works for the ABC in Melbourne, so she does radio. Um, and, you know, she recently at an event that we had talked about her story and, you know, she's had to live with... Um, a colostomy bag and you know but she's still she's you know had children and living her life and you know she's found her way through it so you know all of those st- uh, stories are, are really inspiring and you know if you follow us on our social media um, we have a lot of really brave people who come forward sharing their story um, Another one of our ambassadors, Brittany Nichols, she's a surfer and a professional surfer and she has a costume bag as well. Um, and she's probably at the moment, she's just had to have more surgery. But she's just amazing. Like, you know, she gets out in the bikini and, you know, she's a surfer. Um, uh, and But she has had a really, a, a hell of a lot of things to deal with um, through her life. So all of those stories are are just really inspiring, you know. Yeah. It's it's um, amazing what people can do, um, and you know, and how willing they are to share it. So we all feel inspired by that. Our whole team um, is, as I said, we're only a small team, but um, you know, we we do get a lot of inspiration from the stories that we hear about and the people that we talk to. Isn't it amazing? You've talked about a number of people that um, one of your, your board member who, you know, had the UC for, you know, 40 years or whatever and, and nobody knew except his wife. Mm. Um, but people coming out now that, hey, I'm a surfer and I've got a colostomy bag. I mean, nobody really wa- – it's not very sexy to talk about um, – having a bowel disease it's not even sexy to say bowel you know it's just that one of those and certainly talk about not sexy to talk about how it stuffs you up right how it affects you the you know 20 to 50 bowel movements a day that always looking out for where the toilet is um you know getting you know parts of your digestive tract uh removed even down to the anus you know um you know, how do you, you know, how do you talk about that with friends and family and on social media? Um, you have to be brave, and it's great to hear that people are brave and they're using their their platform, whatever it may be, media, surfing, um, to to talk about this stuff. Like, mm. I can't remember any time that I've seen on main mainstream media about somebody living with a colostomy bag. You know. Mm. Um, but it's just uh, – I'd like to see more of that, and it's great 
that um, some of these people are stepping out and going, you know what, um, this is me. Let's talk about it. We've all got a all got a bum. We've all got, um, <laughs> you know, exactly. <laughs> this yep. is this is our bodies, and let's not be yep. ashamed about it. Um, and I think with the talking about it, um, we will get that more awareness, and with awareness comes the support, the help, the understanding, um, and that's. I understand that's that's what you guys are working towards to to achieve. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know that awareness is something we really focus on every May mm. because we have Crohn's and Colitis Awareness Month in May, um, and this year we had to do it in a virtual way. Um, so we did a really big. We always do a social campaign, but we did. Um, a campaign about um, the theme of the campaign was You're Not Alone. Mm. Um, and we wanted to make sure that everyone knew they're not alone out there. And so we focused on the supports that um, people can call upon, you know, apart from your clinical team, your medical team and and all of that sort of thing, you know, reaching out to, to family and to friends and to um work colleagues, um, you know, can can often help and people want to help if they understand usually. Mm. Um, so we really focused on that and um, and then we also um, talked about the role of the IBD nurse because many, we, we would like to see many more IBD nurses around the country mm. um, because they're really the linchpin to that IBD clinical team mm -hmm. and many of them have um, helplines that they run all the time so you know if you can't get hold of your specialist or you've got your appointment um, you know is coming up in a, a few weeks and you're just worried about something before you get there it's usually the IBD nurse that you can call um, mm. when they've got a really good model happening so we'd like to see a lot more and we'd like to support their education as well. So we focused on them this year and we asked people, um, you know, who they'd like to thank, who'd sort of help them. And it was really cool to see all the comments coming back about, you know, either thanking their nurse or their parents or their, you know, might have even been their boss or whatever uh, for helping them out. And, you know, it was sort of our way of trying to say, look, you know, do talk about it. People do want to help um, usually if they understand, mm. uh, you know, what what's going on. So that awareness is so important. And yeah. so just lastly, Anne, um, I, I want to ask, I just want to inquire about, you, you said, you know, the research talking about um, exercise as being a factor to help with IBD and probably mm. all sorts of, of chronic disease. Um, I actually found links to studies and things on your website and great resource um, to the studies and things that are going on, particularly in exercise but other fields. What um, what are we also seeing in the research that's coming out that is really supporting um, people with this disease and helping them to either, you know, whether it be prevention but more management and even helping people to get into remission? Other than, I guess, you know, the the, the medical drugs that, um, are prescribed. Yeah, there's there's a couple of areas, and a big area is diet. Um, I know I've just um, looked at our magazine for this year, and we've got a couple of really good um, articles in there um, for our members around the um, um, exclusion diet. Um, so that's that's a, a new treatment that's in early days, and there's some really good research and evidence being built around that um, so that's that's something that's interesting the other thing that's um, interesting too is the transplant area okay the fecal fecal matter fecal yep transplant um, you know there is some evidence building around that and they're looking at the regulation of that to make sure that um, you know that things are done well and you know that we're doing that those sorts of procedures in a safe way, um, and targeting the right people who might benefit. And there are some early signs that people living with ulcerative colitis may benefit from these new treatments. In particular, 
Yeah. Okay, yeah. over Crohn's, you mean, or? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, at the moment. So, but, you know, as more research is done on the um, microbiome, you know, that's a big, mm. you know, the microbiome is. You got bugs, you know, they talk, everyone. They're, they're talking about that as being a new organ. And, yes. you know, that's really big. That's it's huge. You know, you think of the organs that we have in our body, you know, the liver, the kidney, the skin is an organ. That's The skin is the biggest organ at the moment, but the gut microbiome might beat that. Um, it's, it's a, it's, you know, if it becomes an organ, it's um, got a huge surface area because it's all these things that are living in our mm. gut, in our normal flora and helping us to function. Um, and there's a really big study going on in Australia um, at the University of Sydney where we have a scholarship. Um, Dr. Betty Wu, who's a gastroenterologist, is doing her PhD in the study. Um, and they're just starting to recruit at the moment and they're recruiting from all around Australia. And um, they're looking at people with healthy biomes and people with Bi um, biomes that are not as healthy and they're going to be trying to see what they can learn from that so you know that that's that's a huge huge area as well and I think you know those sorts of areas are exciting because um, you know it's the drug new there's always new drugs coming out too you know that's that's always happening but these other um, areas will offer more opportunities for people in the future um mm. you know to choose from um so yeah it's i think it's you know it's it's exciting times in healthcare and treatments and yep anything anything of the you know psychological or mental therapy and how that um mindfulness things like that and how that impacts on on RPD? yeah yeah um one of the studies, um, I mean, there's a, there's, we know that a number of psychological therapies can be useful um, for people um, and um, particularly, you know, cognitive behavioural therapy is, is a common therapy that psychologists can use to, to help. Um, but uh, we're doing a study at the moment where we're looking at, um, it's called a writing intervention. So... We're having people write um, and we're going to see if that makes a difference in how people feel and manage their condition. Um, so there's a whole lot of, um, you know, different things that um, I think we can learn. Through the Live Fearless Challenge, we're going to be doing um, some well-being types of, um, of um, videos as well. So... Um, you know, as well as doing the, the exercise, it's about, you know, how does yoga help and how does um, mindfulness and, you know, those sorts of techniques. I mean, all of them um, I think are useful for all of our, our well-being but can be particularly useful for people with IBD. Yeah. 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 And I think it's probably if there was one thing that I've heard sufferers agree on is that stress is one of the biggest uh, triggers for you know a flare up um, when they know they're stressed uh, or anxious about something uh, they exactly. tend to feel it in the gut yeah and yeah and there's stress even stress or or a um, a decreased mood you know yes spelling yes. flat or whatever I've I've you know heard gastroenterologists say that you know they can um, when they talk with people. If, if they can pick those things up, they, they suspect that things are not going good and they might have a flare, you know. They, they can actually sort of start to think, well, this might happen, um, and they've seen it happen. So, you know, we do know that there is a strong connection there between how we think about things and what our mood is like. We did, remember I talked before about um, that, um, study we did about my IBD experience. Yes, yes. When we did that study, we found that 52% of people who did it, and we had over a 1,000 people respond to our survey, 52% of them were actually in psychological distress at the time of doing the survey. Wow. 
So, you know, that really was a strong indicator for us to say, you know, people need help in 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 dealing with that psychological distress. It's really important that they have, um, you know, supports in that area, Absolutely. whether it's through a psychologist or, you know, that the mental health is supported. It's, it's critical. Leanne, thank you so much. I think that's all we have time for today, but it's been really inspiring for me. I know somebody living with IBD to hear of what Crohn's and Colitis Australia is doing. Um, you see these organisations pop up here, there, and there, here and there, and you. And it's just great to hear from from you um, all the work that's going into it, not just for you know the front line, the sufferers themselves, and those you know around them, but also how you guys are educating the 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 medical field as well and innovating um, to try and bring that awareness, which brings understanding, which brings greater greater support. Um, so thank you. Thank oh, my you for pleasure, you. Ben. It's been lovely talking with you. And, you know, as I said, your your story is inspiring in itself, you know. Um, and it's the everyday experience that we try to use to raise that awareness. It's so important yeah. um, that we're real about this. You know, this is these are real problems that we don't know enough about. Mm. So um, our view is that, you know, we need everyone in there adding value. We need, yep. we need people living with this disease involved and we need the medical community and the clinical teams involved and... If we all come together, we can, you know, we can work on this and, and people will be managed much better and we can ultimately get a cure yep. um, is, is the big goal, you yep. know? Absolutely. Thanks okay. so much, Leanne, again. All the best. All we'll right. catch up soon. Yeah, best wishes and take care. Thank you. You too. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Everybody Knows. I so hope that you got as much out of hearing from my guest as I did. If you're enjoying my podcast on whichever platform you're listening, please consider rating it, leaving a review, or sharing it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. It kind of gives me a bit of a kick too. Thanks. Did you know that this podcast is also on YouTube? Search for Everybody Knows Ben Cleaver. Haha. <laughs> and you can watch the interviews in full HD video. Yeah. I'm uploading other videos there too of things I'm learning and doing to reach greater health. Everybody Knows is also on Instagram at everybodyknows.health and on Facebook as Everybody Knows Podcast. I'd love to connect with you there on whichever platform you use. Finally, this podcast was filmed, recorded and produced by Make Media Studio. Special thanks to my audiovisual engineer, Jose Biotto. Again, thank you for listening. See you on social or in the next episode. Be well and love your body like your life flows from it, because it does.